You're listening to the podcast of Rain City Church. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my name is Pedro. It's the most confusing part of your morning because I don't look anything like a Pedro. And by that giggle, I think I'm right. So I'm half Puerto Rican, half Cuban, 100% confused about my ethnicity, as you can tell. And uh, it's okay. You can laugh. It's totally fine. Let's make it uncomfortable and awkward from the jump. It's good. Um, yeah, we're here. You're here. You made it. Good morning. Everybody good? I flew in from last, uh, last night. I flew in from Los Angeles uh, where my wife and I left my wife, left my son, and uh, came up here to brave this horrible weather. This is terrible. Uh, actually, I'm going to show you a picture of my family really quick. I always like to start off by showing my fam. Can you see them? That's my wife. We just celebrated nine years, July 18th. We just celebrated nine. You should clap. Yeah. Some of you who are like 25 years in, 28 years in, you're like, oh, just wait. And like, we think it's awesome. Uh, that's my son, Justice Arrow Latore. He's three and a half now. Uh, he's amazing. He's changed my life. Uh, he eats a lot of candy and sugar, and it's kind of a problem. We're trying to figure out how to curb it. So if any of you parents can help after. I shouldn't say that because you're going to all come up and tell me how to parent, and I'm going to feel offended and leave broken and torn up. Anyway, so <laughs> I know how parents are. You know, you ask them one thing, and they tell you how to raise your kid for the next 20 years. Um, it's great. You can do that. Uh, I always start with a picture of my family before I go too far speaking, and here's why, because I never thought I'd have a family like this. I never thought I would have uh, what we all kind of call normal, like having a family, getting married, all of those things. When I was seven years old, my father, my hero, he got down on his knee in a little tiny town in Birmingham, Alabama, and he said, son, you're the man of the house. Take care of your mom and take care of your sister. Seven years old, my hero left, divorced, entered our home. For the first time, I say the first time because it wouldn't be the last time. By the time I was nine years old, uh, my mom had remarried my dad's best friend. Everybody say, uh-oh. Yeah. And uh, I went to 13 schools in 20 years across five different states. I didn't learn how to read and write until I was almost in fifth grade. Uh, so I'm the least likely, I was like the kid in the yearbook, least likely to succeed, least likely to do anything significant. Uh, but I didn't come here from Los Angeles to give you bad news. I'm going to give you some really good news. You ready for it? In every city I lived in, without exaggeration, in every city, in every state, God strategically placed men and women into my life from the local church to love me into a relationship with Jesus, to not just talk about Jesus, uh, to not just walk with Jesus for themselves personally, but to uh, actually show me what it means to live and love like Jesus. And that's what changed my life. Um, 17 years old, I was pursuing a professional baseball career and had six offers to go play and pursue a career as an athlete. My dad played professionally. His dad played professionally. And uh, I tore my rotator and my labrum, my first swing my senior year of high school. Uh, had surgery, went back as a free agent. And while I was at spring training, um, I shared the gospel with three dudes. And they gave their life to Jesus in a car in uh, Florida. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to be in ministry. So, <laughs> true story. You can't make that up. And um, from that day on, since 19 years old till now at the ripe age of 21, uh, since that day I've been following Jesus to the best of my ability, leaning on him. I pastor a community now in Los Angeles, California called Rest LA, and uh, we're just about making disciples, following Jesus into the unknown, and trusting him every step of the way. I thought you get a little more excited about that part, you know? Like trusting Jesus every step of the way? Nah, I don't 
don't know about that. I don't, I'm not sure. I need more coffee before I get on board. So here's how the next few moments are going to go. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to end, which is most speakers don't do this, but I'm going to tell you where I'm going to end. I'm going to invite you this morning to be a part of the spring community. I'm going to invite you to, to join at $30 a month and help 12 people a year get safe and clean drinking water. So that's where we're going to end, okay? So you don't even have to be like, what's he going to ask us to do? Ah, that's it right there. There we go. Done. But what I want to do this morning, because I, I was on the flight, actually, before I got on the flight yesterday, I, I was talking to my wife in the car on the way, and I, she said, babe, what do, you, what do you believe in God for this weekend? I was in Ohio last weekend preaching to 15,000 people in a big old festival in the middle of the woods, and I wasn't sure, being Latin, if I'd ever make it out, because we don't do camping. <laughs> We just don't. It's weird. Um, and I was like, I, I'm really, I really feel like God put something on my heart this morning. She was like, well, what is it? And I said, I feel like God wants this group of people to know that he's not trying to get a hold of their money. And she was like, yeah, but you're supposed to be inviting people into like the spring and it, like, it does involve money. I was like, yeah, I know. But I think before he can get a hold of our money, he wants to get a hold of our memory. And he wants us to remember who he is and what he's done for us personally. And so my prayer this morning is not that you give to Charity Water, although I hope you do. I flew here so that you do. I hope you do. But more importantly, I hope that God gets a hold of your memory. And if you don't have a recollection of who God is or a moment where he transformed your life forever, then I pray that this morning is that moment for you. Cool? Okay, good. <laughs> oh, man. Being Puerto Rican, it's funny because I'm just used to people like talking back and screaming and, and I have a three and a half year old. He talks back a lot. So, so don't be afraid to laugh and um, be uncomfortable and be awkward. It's, it's, sometimes it's good for you. You don't take yourself too serious. Okay, Luke chapter five. If you have your app or your Bible, you can, you can go there. It should be there in, inside your app. Luke chapter five. I'm going to do my best to unpack this word for us a little bit and, um, and then we'll, we'll get to the good stuff. Sound good? Amazing, amazing. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and also... And so also were uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee. You can't be mad with a name like Zebedee. What's your name? Zebedee. Such a joy-filled name. Who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. What an interesting story. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, thank you for these moments that we share. God, I pray that you'd make them matter, that you make them count. God, as we fix our attention and our eyes on your word, I pray that everything we do would be a response from what you have done for us. 
God, if our faith is about us holding on to you, then we've missed the whole point of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that you came to hold on to us even when we were living in rebellion. So God, I pray that you'd awaken our hearts this morning, remind us of who we are, whose we are, and that that would propel us to love, that that would propel us to serve and drink more coffee in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I haven't gotten to try your coffee yet, but I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Because that setup looked so legit. I've never seen a coffee setup that good. I'm going to be honest with you. In a church. In a church. I'm going to say that. If, if, I, if I lived here, I would come here. You had me. You had me at coffee. I think this story is so interesting. And if you're a point person this morning, I'm going to ask. I mean, feel free to take notes, okay? But I'm going to ask that you just follow the story for a minute. Because I think this story is so incredible. It says that Jesus came by this lake, Lake Gennesaret, which in Bible times, this lake was the lowest geographical area uh, in that region as he goes down there to encounter Simon Peter, encounter these people who are desperate for good teaching. So I think right from the jump, you can almost take a mental note or actual note if you wanted to and say Jesus is willing to go to any depths to rescue his own. Even geographically, it's saying about Jesus that he was willing to work to get down to where Simon Peter was. And what I love about Jesus, and this is so true in my life, is that any time I've been far off and any time I've been far away, that he always has moved close. He's always come close, even through all the divorces and even through all the trials of life. And even now, my father's got cancer and we're going through a hard time and life is crazy. God is still moving closer and closer and he's causing more and more healing in my family and wholeness and restoration. And I believe my son will get to break cycles that were set in our family years and years ago because why? Because God moves close to the brokenhearted, that God has moved close to, to me and my family. And I hope, hope that he's moved close to you as well. And if he hasn't, I pray that this morning you'll invite him in to do so. What's interesting about this story, if I can draw a couple observations, is that as Jesus approaches Simon Peter, as Simon Peter has been out washing his nets, doing what he is skilled to do, nonetheless, he's great at fishing. Any of you fishermen in here, or you like to fish or you eat fish sticks? No one raised their hands. I was like, I got to go with something here to get some crowd participation. What I think is so interesting is that Simon Peter would have been so skilled, so skilled at fishing. This is what he was good at, throwing a net and catching fish. And the one thing he's best at, he finds himself completely defeated in. And Jesus walks over to Simon Peter. And what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't say anything to Simon Peter. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything except for simply say, hey, can I borrow your boat? Can I, just, can I just borrow your boat for a second? I got a whole bunch of people up here that want to learn from me and they want to hear truth and they're, I need to cast a net of truth on them for a second. But I think what's so cool is that Jesus took Simon Peter's space of defeat just hours prior, a, a, a boat that represented a little bit of shame for him as all his other friends are catching fish and pulling fish in. And here Simon Peter is by the, by the shore and he's frustrated. He had been toiling all night and Jesus is like, hey, can you just push this boat out a little bit? And I think it's easy to read scripture, especially if you grew up in church. It's easy to read a passage like this and get right to the part where the nets are breaking. You're like, yeah, that's Jesus. Nets breaking. That's what life's all about. Oh, my net's overflowing with awesome. And it's easy just for us to jump there. But hold on a second. Jesus took his place of shame and doubt, and Jesus turns it into a pulpit. It's exactly what he wants to do with our lives. 
It's exactly what he wants, I believe, to remind us of thousands of years later that he wants to take your place of brokenness and shame, the thing you thought you were best at, and he wants to meet you in your defeat, meet you in your toiling, meet you in your frustration, meet you in your angst, meet you in the mystery, and go, hey, can I, can I borrow that for one second? Here's the crazy thing about God is that when you're at the end of your literal ropes in this story, the end of your ropes, that Jesus shows up with gentleness and grace and goes, um... Hey, can I can I have a try? Can I can I do it now? And sometimes we forget how good of a God we serve that in our defeat and in our brokenness and at the end of our ropes Jesus goes, "Hey, um my turn? Can I do it?" And sometimes we forget how good of a God that is because we're so focused on the catch of the fish that we miss the fact that Jesus caught us at one point. And this for Simon Peter is where it began. So Simon Peter obviously does what Jesus says to do. And then right after this, Jesus gets done teaching. And we can keep moving through the passage. Jesus basically says, um, hey, uh, Simon Peter, I think you need to, you know, let down your nets for a catch. But master, we've toiled all night. Like we, we kind of know how to fish here, Jesus. And Jesus probably would have. Yeah, he didn't respond. But if I was Jesus, I would have responded like, yeah, but you didn't catch any fish, dude. Yeah, but Jesus, we know, we know how to do this. Like, we've got this. Jesus is like, well, you know, you should try letting down your nets. And so I love this because on Simon Peter decides in this moment, you know what, I, I really don't have anything to lose. You know, I didn't catch any fish. So, all right, at your word, we'll let down our nets. And then you know the rest of the story. He lets down his nets. He does exactly, exactly what Jesus tells him to do. He pulls in this massive catch of fish. You know, and you got to imagine the scene. The, the nets are breaking. The boats are, they got to bring in another boat to get help and all of that. And I've heard so many preachers preach on this passage. And they're like, this is what God wants to do in your life. He just wants to give you abundance. He wants you to drive a Cadillac. Cadillac? I don't know. What's a nicer? A Tesla. You know, like, I don't know. A Prius. We're in the, okay, sorry. That wasn't a jab. It's totally fine. I would love a Prius, actually. I just can't afford it. Um, Whatever car of your choice, a minivan, I don't know, but whatever, whatever, you lose people when you make definitive statements, and you shouldn't do that if you're ever on stage speaking. Don't make definitive statements. So in this moment, Jesus encounters him. The nets are breaking, and, and I think that's beautiful, and I think it does show something about God that's unbelievable, but what I love is what happens next in the story, and the whole point of this morning is what happens next. I love that Simon Peter, somewhere in the mix of all of this happening, watches Jesus preach. He hears him talk about who he is and the love he has for humanity. And he must have been like, man, this guy's kind of cool. I like this guy. This is neat. He's observing. He moves from an observer just watching, kind of like a fan maybe in the moment. Like, oh, I like this guy. I would definitely eat some pita with him. He's cool to like all of a sudden listening to what he says to do. So now he's obeying him. So he goes from fan to obedient. And then something else happens. And this is, this is my favorite. And this, is, this has given me so much freedom over the last two years, just hearing this daily, hearing this word daily. Simon Peter listens to what Jesus says to do. The catch happens. But somewhere in the mix of all of this happening, the, the fish, the teaching, the being obedient to Jesus and just saying, all right, cool, I got nothing to lose. I'm at the end of my ropes anyways. All of this is happening. 
And the catch is coming in. You got to imagine the scene. All the other people watching this must have been like, whoa, you're going to eat good. Whoa, you just made money, bro. I don't know who this Jesus guy is, but keep him in your corner, man, because that's good for the bank account. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can, we can do that thousands of years later. We can get so obsessed with the, the blessings that come with following Jesus that we actually forget to enjoy Jesus. That we forget to enjoy relationship. And we wonder why religion feels so stale and burnout. It feels stale and burnout because it was never meant to be about what God can do for us. It was meant to be about we're his kids. And he came and he died and he rescued us. And Simon Peter encountered that right here in this moment. And you know it because as all of the noise is happening and everyone else is so impressed with what Jesus is able to do, Simon Peter falls on his knees because he's so impressed with who Jesus is. He gets on his knees and he says, depart from me for I'm a, I'm a sinful man. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Why? Because he had just encountered a miracle working God. Because he had just encountered divinity in its purest form. Because he was sitting in front of the God who breathed life and planets and stars into existence. And his very breath and his lungs probably felt lighter than ever as he's standing looking at this Jesus in the eyes. And why everyone else is so focused on the fish While everyone else is so focused on the catch, I think Simon Peter, for the first time in his life, got caught by Jesus. I think as he's sitting on his knees before God, I think there's a genuine cry in his heart of, I depart from me. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. If you knew who I was, and then I love this. I love this part right here. He picks him up. This is what a father does. He picks him up, and he looks him in the eyes, and he says, Do not be afraid. The first thing Jesus wants to encounter with Simon Peter is the fear that Simon feels, the distance Simon feels. I'm below you. I'm not even worthy to be in your, and you're way up here. And what does Jesus do? He bridges the gap, just like he did coming down from the hill down to Gennesaret. He bridges the gap yet again, and he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will become fishers of men. And sometimes we read that and we think, like, that sounds really Shakespearean. That sounds, like, poetic and just a good ending to the story. But in Simon's ears, that was the sweetest thing ever. Why? Because Jesus just told a fisherman, he just said, "Um, the thing you've always been doing, we're going to keep doing that. But we're going to do it for a different purpose. The job you've always been working, yeah, yeah, we're going to keep doing that. But we're going to do it with a different purpose. I sit with so many friends and people within our church now, and they're like, Pedro, like, man, you know, I, I read the, the Great Commission, you know, going to all the nations to preach the gospel and, like, you know, teaching them all that I've, you know, to, to obey all that I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, like, I feel like I just need to leave L.A. I need to leave my job. I need to go to Africa. Like, everyone just says Africa, and I, don't, I haven't figured that out yet. Like, why, why do we say Africa? Like, no one ever is like, I need to go to Idaho, you know? It's like, you don't hear anybody say that, you know? But I think sometimes we, we get this in our head that we've got to go. But here's the crazy thing about even that, go and make disciples. Like, that actually, go and make, actually is translated as you go. 
And Jesus, with Simon Peter, in this moment, is inviting him into the as you go. Hey, Simon Peter, I know you've always been doing this. We're not going to change what you've been doing, what you've been doing. We're just going to change your why. Now it's no longer about money. Now it's about my kingdom coming to fruition. Now it's no longer about these little moments that you can have with me. Now I'm inviting you into the mission. Jesus could have sat there and just carried out shame and guilt on Simon Peter. And man, you are a horrible person. And man, you are unworthy. And man, you're, you are a terrible fisherman. You didn't catch nothing. I'm hungry. Like he could have said all this. He doesn't. Jesus goes, look, Simon Peter, now that you've seen who I really am, get in the game. Now that you know who I am and you know what I'm all about and you know that I have endless bountiful resources and you know that I am the God who spoke all things into existence, that I can tell a whole bunch of little Nemos where to swim and get into a net. Now that you know this about me, join the mission. And so this morning, what I'm inviting you into is I can come up here and I can tell you statistics and I can tell you all these great things that over the last 13 years, Charity Water has been able to see 10 million people get safe and clean drinking water, sustainable, safe and clean drinking water. And that's a massive number. That's incredible. That's huge. I could tell you about the, the 600 million people still in the, in the world that don't have safe and clean drinking water. And that problem is massive and that problem is huge. But this morning, we have something in common. And if I can be open for a second, I want to say this. Jesus knows how to solve the water crisis. Jesus knows how to fix the problems that we face as human beings thousands of years later. But here's the crazy thing about Jesus. He got down on Gennesaret. He walked down there and he got into Simon's boat with an intention, and the intention, and the intention was this. Hey, Simon, um, you're going to be the one to change the world. Wait, what? Yeah, I know you just saw me do the miracle thing and the fish, and like, that's nothing, dude. You're going you're gonna to catch people. God, do we have nets big enough for that? These guys eat a lot. And in this moment, Simon Peter must have had something shift on the inside of him to go, wait, what? Now, hear me out. If the moment with Simon, if this moment in Luke chapter 5 never happened, if this never took place, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. Wait, Pedro, what are you talking about? Jesus still would have gone on to, yeah, he would have died. But here's the thing. The Acts 2 church that exploded in the New Testament, that Acts church that we see, it happened because of Simon Peter. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean? Yeah, in Acts 2, Peter at Pentecost stands up and he says what? Repent and believe. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying repentance is the greatest gift a loving God can give you. Because what is it doing? It's closing the gap. It's God saying, you need to see me in proper perspective. And when you see me as a, a God who is so much bigger than you and so much stronger than you and so incredible and so, magnific so, so magnificent and also willing to, to kneel down and pull you up in your shame and in your frustration and in your sin and look you in the eyes and say, hey, you're the mission. You're going to carry love. You're going to carry generosity. You're going to be the conduit I use to change the world. That, awake, that should awaken us to go, oh, yes. Thousands of years later, God is still using men and women like you and I to carry out love and generosity.
I think the world sometimes gets generosity really backwards because we think generosity is giving money, but it's, it's so much more than that. Generosity has to come from something within you that believes that God is ultimately your source. What caused Simon Peter to leave that day? His craft, his skill, and his job. The generosity of God. It's the only answer you can come up with. You talk to theologians, you talk to any Bible scholars, like how in the world does this young man who has a great job, he's doing his work, he's doing his thing, leave everything not knowing what he's walking into, no job security, no 401k, no pension, not, not even like, you know, if you, if you get hurt, we'll pay your days off, none of it. You may not even have a place to lay your head, actually. You're not going to have a hotel, you're not going to have an Airbnb, none of it. How does he leave every? He leaves everything because he realized that God had left everything in heaven to come and give him generosity, to give him love, to give him acceptance, to give him affirmation. And it's from that place that Simon Peter lived his life. And then in the book of Acts, he stands up and he, he proclaims the goodness of Jesus and thousands get saved. And then we move into the part of the scripture we love in Acts 2, where it's like, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And it sounds so romantic and beautiful. It came all the way back in Luke when when Jesus looked him in the eyes and called him a son, do not be afraid. I'm inviting you from this moment on to join my mission. And now, thousands of years later, I'm standing on a stage and I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting us into the mission yet again. My wife and I found out about the spring community that Charity Water was building. We were blown away. We were absolutely blown away. I'm, I'm friends with Scott. And um, as I began to see his heart not only for the gospel and for Jesus, but to see people get clean water. My wife and I knew we had to just join the spring. Before I was ever on a stage, I wanted to join the spring. I wanted to be a part. And now I think we, we've joined the spring, I think, six times over. So we, we give $30 a month times six or something like that and because we really believe in this. And when I realized they had calculated the, alg the algorithm for this, they actually found out that $30 a month gives 12 people a year safe and clean drinking water. Many of you that know Charity Water know they're one of the most reputable organizations in the world right now when it comes to giving. They're 100% model where everything you give goes directly to water projects. The overhead is raised by generous people and, and philanthropic people and businesses. And so you know that side of the story. The side that you may not realize is that the spring community is what we believe as a part of Charity Water will actually end the water crisis in our lifetime. It's a community of people just like you stepping up every single month to end the water crisis and go, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of living generously from God's acceptance and love for me so that other people can encounter life in its most basic form, water. And that somehow through that, God will ordain uh, miracles to happen in their life, their babies getting to have health and vitality, homes getting to have generational curses broken over their homes because when you don't have water for generations, it causes a lot of death and it causes a lot of lack of opportunity. And so water, we say it at Cherry Water all the time, but water changes everything. Water changes everything. So in your app this morning, you can actually just, wouldn't it be easy if you could just right now, you'd be like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of this. 
this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. You guys have already given a ton of money. But what's cool is when you, when you show up and you join the spring is uh, every other week you're going to get emails and notifications about the, where your money's going. And we actually love to prove our work. It's what we're great at. It's what we love to do is make sure you know where every dollar is being spent, who it's actually impacting, how it's actually helping, and uh, what that money will do in the long run in community. And so in your app, you can go on there right now. I encourage you to go on there right now. And I know sometimes in church, we, we wait for an altar call kind of moment and someone comes and plays keys and makes me sound really spiritual. And we wait for this thing, like the feels, you know, and it's like, I don't know, I need more coffee. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm asking you to remember for a moment what Jesus has done in your life. And really, I came up here above everything else, not to educate you on charity water. You guys know about charity water. I came up here to remind you of who God has been in your life. And if you can, and if you are able, I want to challenge you to take a step and join the spring. Because I know that 12 people this year getting clean and safe drinking water because you gave 30 bucks a month is revolutionary. And some of you can do far more than that. Some of you can give 60. Some of you give hundreds of dollars a month. So um, open your app. Go there. If you don't have it, get off the Wi-Fi. I think that's what I heard them say back there, so I'm just following that. Uh, you'll see it in your notes, the notes section. For everyone who, oh, look at that. Look at this. Look at this. Beautiful. You guys are so good at what you do. Um, for everyone who joins the spring today, we don't do this everywhere, and Scott was generous enough to do this. He said, I want to give everyone at Rain City a copy of my book, and uh, it's a really thick book, so you'll enjoy that for like three years. Uh, unless you're like the speed reading type that doesn't actually read from memory. You just read to say you read. Uh, I don't like you. Um, but you'll get a copy of Scott's book. Uh, it's amazing. I, it had me in tears, a pool of tears, um, not long ago when I first read it. And um, so if you join at 30 bucks a month or more this morning, you'll get a copy of the book on the, at the table on the way out. And uh, that'll be that. So I hope you're on your, on your app right now and you're joining the spring and more than anything, I hope that you're encouraged this morning. My prayer this morning is that I leave with no books because my back hurts from all the books I've wrapped. Yeah, not spiritual at all, just practical. Um, I think I came with uh, like 50 books. So it'd be rad just to not have 50 books. And if you don't join the spring, I'm going to go find people on the street today to give the book away to. I'm kidding. Calm down. Hey, so uh, I want to close like this. Maybe you're in here and you've been following Jesus a really long time and you're, you've been thinking to yourself, maybe even this week, you're like, man, I'm going to be honest, like this whole faith thing feels a little stale for me. Like, ah, I just, I go to church, I do the thing, but I just don't feel like, and this morning I want to call to you, to your memory. I want to appeal to your memory. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Don't forget his extreme generosity. Don't forget how good he's been because if you don't continue enjoying God, you become a Bible salesman and no one will want that. You have to keep feasting on how good he's been. Now, if you're in here this morning, you'd say, man, I'm going to be honest. I've, I've, maybe it's my first time here or maybe I've been coming for a while, but I've never really been in a space where I've been enjoying God. Like when you say those words, I don't, I don't know what that means. Well, a father... Um, have you ever heard somebody say, I just want to be used by God? Raise your hand if you ever heard anybody say that. I just want to be used by God. Maybe you said it. Like, I just want to be used by God. Um, here's a, a, a really good, healthy pastoral newsflash for you. God does not want to use you. He wants to partner with you. You are his child. I would never say to my son, I just want to use my son today. 
just want to use them to do some chores. I've maybe said that before. It's not entirely true. <laughs> you get the point, though. God is not an angry God. He's not a God who's, who came to Simon Peter. He's like, I just want to use you, Simon. I want to use you to change. No, 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 no. I want to get in your boat. I want to give you the thing you think you want the most so that I can actually give you the thing you need the most so that you'll actually move past this moment into the mission. And when you do that, you live generously, not because generosity is cool and cliche and awesome, not because we talk about it in church. You live generously because you're so blown away by how good God is in your life that you can't help but give. You need that? Oh, my gosh, you can have that. Like, you, you want this? Oh, it's yours, open-handed. You can, you can have it. Why? Because I already have the greatest treasure on earth, and that is my relationship with Jesus and how much he's transformed my life. I wouldn't be standing on this stage, I promise you, preaching about Jesus. I'd be hitting a baseball or a golf ball or anything that ends in ball, and I'd, I'd be spending my life doing that. But he's transformed my life, and I want to live generous because of what he's done for me. Amen? Okay, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we'll, we'll call it a, a beautiful Sunday. Hopefully you were encouraged. I hope that you'll come out to the table. We can shake hands, and you'll grab a book. And if you have questions about Charity Ward, I'd love to answer those as well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the reminder this morning through your word um, with Simon Peter. That you would re- I pray that you'd remind us before we leave, before we step out of this space, how much you love us, how much you care about us and how much you want the best for us. God, I thank you that you're moving us from just little moments with you to the big mission with you. And the big mission is remembering what you've done for us and that we go live from acceptance, not for it. That we live from love, not for it. That we live from healthy identity, not for manufactured identity. That we live from peace and not for peace. God, everything that we do is rooted and grounded in you. God, if there's anybody in here this morning, they just, they don't have a relationship with you, and they're like, man, I want, I want that God, I want that Jesus to be a part of my life. I pray before the day is out that they'd find a pastor, find a leader in this space, and that they would, they would just simply say, I just, I just want Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus in my life. And um, God, we thank you that you're working in this space, you're moving in this space. We pray that we'd get so many people clean and safe drinking water over this next year simply by giving $30 a month and that we'd never forget how generous you've been to us. Jesus, we love you, but thank you so much before we ever loved you and got to choose you that you loved us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Have the best day of your life. Let's go drink more coffee. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information and resources, go to raincitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.